Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. We bring you every week interesting topics, incredibly interesting guests, trying to fill in that void for caregivers, care recipients, and their families, anything they need to know. We try at some point to touch on that. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's a graduate of Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word here in San Antonio, has a master's degree in social gerontology, and is well-known across this country for her work in trying to help those who are aging, especially when it comes to those who are dealing with uh, some form of dementia or any other form of uh, aging that has made them uh, spiral down, giving caregivers more and more challenges and responsibility. And, Carol, it's good to see you. Even though we're doing this for for the uh, listener, we're, we're looking at each other on FaceTime, so while we can see each other, uh, occasionally we may step on a toe or two. That's right. But it's it's nice to be able to see you um, as well as to hear your good radio voice this week. Well, one of the things you've been doing for the WellMed Charitable Foundation and for WellMed Medical Management, the company itself uh, has essentially sent all of its senior people and other people uh, to work from home, which you have been doing, which provides an incredible challenge. And from what I understand, uh, that work from home has been extended for another month. Well, as you know, in Texas and in Florida, where we are located, those are two of the worst states in the country right now for COVID. And so we're just, you know, we're happy to be home. We're happy that, um, you know, a lot of older persons and their family caregivers are taking this seriously and staying home. Unfortunately, the rise is in the, the younger populations right now. And our concern is that, you know, that we don't want to bring it home to mom and dad or to any of the relatives. No, we do not. Well, let's invite someone we can't give it to either because he's not with us. He's on the phone and talking to us, Anthony Cirillo. The Aging Experience Organization is what he is with and author of Who Moved My Dentures, which uh, we love that title, by the way. The Aging Experience and How He Fell Into a Mission of Advocacy for Other Adults. And he's going to share with us how that experience began. For those of you who wonder, Anthony Cirillo is global practice partner of GIS Healthcare, provider of caregiver and related solutions for corporations and health providers, also the creator of the Caregiver Smile Summit, which we'll talk about in just a couple of moments. Anthony, thanks for coming on Caregiver SOS on air. Oh, thanks for having me, uh, Ron and Carol, likewise. So you were an entertainer for a long time, uh, hanging out with long hair in a band, going into nursing homes and playing the hits of the 20s and 30s and 40s, which connected with those residents. Had you ever thought that you'd be involved, other than that way, in issues involving aging? Well, I was in the healthcare profession, so I did work in hospitals. That was my day job. I was a marketing guy, uh, but, you know, we really weren't as connected to the uh, – to the patient. I mean, really, I believe this was in the uh, 80s when hospitals started advertising and, and that kind of thing. So I was in the healthcare field, 
but I wasn't necessarily, um, I think, driving uh, outcomes in any particular way. So, you know, when I got out of nightclubs and bands, and uh, and I never could grow my my hair long, Ron. By the way, <laughs> we get to a certain point and curl up. So I was yeah, me too. So uh, I went, and I, you know, I was doing a hundred performances part time. I'm I'm originally from Philadelphia, and that's where I was doing the the performances. And you know, it caught up to you after a while that uh, you were giving a lot, but you were getting a ton back. And, you know, all of my, I call it street smarts around dementia, came from live performances because I, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't tied behind a bass guitar or was roaming around with a wireless mic. And if somebody comes up to you wandering and wants to participate, you just learn how to adapt. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I really do credit uh, the residents with making me actually a professional speaker because before that, um, I didn't necessarily use song and performances or really know how to react to audiences with that way. But, you know, they'll keep you on your toes and they'll tell you if they don't like you. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. So, you know, when you think about all those residences that you visited and think about what's going on with COVID right now, you know, what what where did we miss the boat? Um, you know, what's going on with the long-term care facilities and these incredible death rates that we've seen there? Yeah, well, you know, obviously I'm not a clinician, uh, so I can't necessarily address it from that standpoint. But I had a, I had a couple conversations with nurses I know who work in long-term care. And I, and I think, you know, as with everything else in life, you know, you talk about patient experience, and I, I helped kind of launch some of that movement in hospitals. And it's gotten so bureaucratic and overly complicated that if we just took the time to be transparent and communicate I think a lot of the issues that we have would uh, wouldn't have been exacerbated as as they as they have been. I mean, this is a crazy virus that seems to mutate, and and no matter what the circumstances, uh, you know, I think it's going to get into places. It's more of a matter of how how you're going to contain it. But I think the the big thing right now, you know, my whole Who Moved My Dentures book was about you know dispelling myths about nursing homes and not not necessarily that I was a pro nursing home guy I mean I'm like every other baby boomer I want to age in place but um this this virus has certainly exposed the vulnerabilities of the healthcare system but I think if you don't adequately communicate with people I mean just the reputational damage right now is is uh is something I think they're going to be it's going to be hard to recover from and you know the big thing with with uh, long-term care is, you know, getting people to want to work into that in in that uh, environment and to go to school for that and to, you know, be passionate about our elders and to, you know, have the same feelings that we have about them, which is why we keep doing it, even if we thought, uh, you know, I could make more money somewhere else. And I think that's a, a bigger long-term issue that's going to come out of this. But, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure how they missed because there are places that are contained and there are others that aren't. So I think it's, you know, um, you probably need a, uh, an environmental health expert and, and nurse educator on the, on those fronts. But I do think, you know, I'm, I'm most concerned with the isolation, which is one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I have 12, 13 different programs that I do still go into places and, and perform. And I just spent the last week uh, in my garage recording them on video so that uh, I can give them the activity professionals who can either use them on an iPad in an individual setting or put them on the TV because, um, you know, I tried to stream these concerts, you know, live, but most places don't have the technology. I, st- I-, I joke that they're still in the VHS age. 
Yeah, oh, bet, dear. Yeah, I'll bet you find VHS players. Oh, I'm sure you would find VHS players. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All the the great, yeah, the greatest. Well, what I love about what you t- what you started with when you were talking about patient experience and communication, but you know, just thinking about, and that's so important for caregivers as well as healthcare professionals, is thinking about what is it like to be that resident. What is it like to be that person that's being cared for, um, and then what action do we take? And so, the second thing that I love. You're still playing music and you're still recording and thinking about the social isolation of those that, you know, can't get out. Yeah, I mean, well, social isolation was a big issue before this. So now, you know, and they, they have, what I'm not sure you know this phrase, elder orphans. You know, there are, there are people within our communities. It's just not the nursing homes, and, and we're all experiencing ourselves now. So I think we're all getting a little bit of a feel about what it feels like to not be able to go places and do things. But there's a lot of Elders who are, you know, in, in their homes who are, you know, aging in place who are alone. And, and so, you know, it's just a bigger societal issue. And I've, I've uncovered some amazing, I had a group of kids who started, um, a, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to blank on the name. I'll, I'll probably think of it during the, during okay. the course of this, but, um, they, uh, they started adopting seniors. This was a young girl. She's, you know, she's going to, she's going to, go to pre-med, uh, but in the meantime, she has adopted uh, seniors and adopting seniors to do projects with them. They were going into nursing homes and teaching technology, and now they've started a buddy program, uh, you know, to communicate with uh, with folks, and uh, and it's so refreshing to see. It's almost like I see it seems to have skipped some generations, and, you know, there was even something in McKnight's Long-Term Care News about a study that was done that said... Uh, you know, the younger generation and the older generations are really connecting more during this time, and they're learning from each other. And uh, you know, if that's a if that's a result of something bad and something good coming out of it like that, I think that that would be an amazing thing. But we need more awareness that way of of uh, you know just what it is like, and and you know, people need other people. You know, Anthony, we've done hundreds of these programs, hundreds of guests. You're the first one to actually cite Knight's long-term care news. I love that. So you're actually <laughs> looking at the literature. Guilty. That's nothing Guilty. wrong with that. Let me ask you about the book you wrote, because Carol and I uh, were laughing about, uh, you know, where the heck did my dentures go? I have a good friend who works with WellMed who used to run a memory unit and said it was not unusual for her to say, uh, uh, Mrs. Jones, those are Sarah's dentures. Would you mind taking them back to her room? She was wearing them. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And I'm assuming that's well, your experience. Well, you know, people joke that you can open up a closet and it'd be like the scene, and this is dating myself from uh, the Dick Van Dyke show when they opened uh, up the uh, the closet and all the walnuts fell out. Right. Except this is, uh, except this is dentures, but... You know, this was a deliberate, you know, play on the other book, obviously, that right. had cheese in it. It came about because of the entertaining. So, you know, I was meeting all of these amazing uh, people, and they had such great stories. Another thing to keep in mind, you know, these, these people are people. They have stories. They've led lies. We should know about them. You know, we should capture those stories and all that. That's, that's a side rant. But, um, you know, so I was... Realizing that you know they've been they've been through a lot and they've overcome a lot and you know the the, the cheese book was about resiliency in the workplace right well this is more or less human interest stories that then dispel some myths around 
uh, you know, aging and long-term care that really do show resiliency. I mean, imagine that, you know, mom or dad are faced with having to move out of the house they've been in their whole lives and make the move into an assisted living. I mean, it takes resilience and, uh, uh, you know, to do that kind of thing. And so, you know, that it wasn't uh, a far stretch to say I can make the connection. They're similar books, just different, uh, different environments. Well, you know, you, you talked about the the workforce, and before the show, you were talking a little bit about caregivers and the workforce. And so, you know, what what have you been studying and learning about caregiving and the workforce? Well, you know, and I think that's something with COVID that's maybe going to get a little more attention, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, to essentially the you know, caregiving in the workforce is something that's very tricky because um, a lot of caregivers don't want to come forth, and so a lot of times you don't know them. So, the, you know, the first issue I talk around uh, about in in this is culture of organizations, which, you know, gets back to the patient experience and transparency and communication, all those types of things. They're all kind of related. But, you know, when you have a culture in an organization that you know, recognizes these issues and addresses these issues, you're going to be a lot better off in cultures where, you know, and it still it still happens with, you know, women who announce that, that, that they're pregnant. I mean, there's clear policies around all this, but then the next thing you know, they may be out, out the door, and this is what happens to caregivers a lot. So we first have a culture issue in terms of um, just um, being accepting to what's happening, and I think COVID has certainly... Um, made this come to light because not only, you know, there was, there's about 60% of the workforce are also family caregivers. And so um, the numbers were already big, but now all of a sudden we have these, you know, I've, I've sort of coined COVID caregivers because it's caring people who were never caregivers before. And uh, they've been thrust into this and we don't know the long-term implications of, of this uh, uh, virus, and, you know, every week it seems to affect a different, you know, part of the body, and what are the long-term consequences of all that, and what's the long-term consequences of, of being a Okay, Anthony, so, hold, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking with Anthony Cirillo, talking about caregiving and his experience as an entertainer, converting that into his new life, working with not only care recipients, but caregivers as well. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Well, if you ever wonder, that's how I sound when I have a cold. Maybe we should read cut that particular spot. I'm Ron Aaron. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Anthony Cirillo, and we're talking about uh, the workplace and how it is that uh, we find discrimination uh, both rampant uh, and subtle against caregivers. And your point, uh, Anthony, is so well taken that the last thing 
many women want to tell that employer is they're pregnant because they know it's going to change uh, the relationship. Telling them that you're a caregiver, that the reason you've been leaving early is not because your daughter's got a cold, it's because you're caring for grandma. They don't want to say that. How do we get over that bridge? Because as you point out, uh, with this pandemic, literally hundreds and hundreds of people overnight become caregivers. And, and it's life or death in some of these cases. They can't say no. They're, they're, they're going to take the time to be with their loved one. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that until it's sort of like I joke that, um, you know, where I live, uh, you know, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, we're, we're kind of in a bubble, right? We, we really don't know, you know, people who um, have, have had COVID or anyone who passed. And so in some respects, it's, it's not real until, you know, somebody in upper management becomes, and this is, it's notoriously happens all the time, until they become the caregiver, uh, then all of a sudden the eyes, the eyes get open to the issue as if it never existed before. So, uh, and that's going to become more pervasive just as a matter of societal demographics and having older parents. And, uh, and, you know, we're also seeing that um, 25% of caregivers are millennials. So, uh, you know, it's shifting. It, it, it was the boomers taking care of the uh, uh, the greatest generation, and now, you know, the boomers are still taking care of mom or dad, but now some of those same boomers uh, are uh, being taken care of by younger people, and, you know, there's a whole different dynamic in the workforce. I'm not a millennial expert by any means, but they certainly have uh, different um, aspirations and things that they want to do in their life. And, and some of them, you know, we think that they're just freewheeling and get up and go and do whatever they want. Well, 25% of them are taking care of somebody. So I think more and more of this is just going to get attention. And, uh, and as it gets more attention uh, and we all start knowing somebody who's a caregiver, um, you know, in our midst, and that's becoming more commonplace, I think, you know, we'll have conversations around it, which... It also leads kind of to this whole, you know, what what is all this? Because, you know, right now, even the best of companies who are recognized for their attention to caregivers, uh, I still think they're only putting Band-Aids on it. I mean, they're, they're doing EAP programs. Uh, a lot of it is drawn from, you know, um, uh, employee leave and things like that. But and those are employee, employee assistance programs, for yes. those who don't know. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And um, and so I, I am trying to position the conversation a little bit differently, that this is not about offering uh, a set of benefits. Um, this is really about looking at the health of your workforce because, you know, um, caregiver health is, is, is a huge issue, and yet caregiver health is, is what's neglected in all of this because, you know, the healthcare system doesn't realize that when they're taking care of mom or dad, they also have a caregiver in their midst that probably needs care as well. And, you know, there's some frightening statistics around caregivers predeceasing right. the ones they love. And I, I had it happen in my own family. Uh, that's how I became a, a, a caregiver to my mom. So my, my sister was diagnosed with, with cancer. And, you know, within three weeks, uh, she had passed. And while we were helping financially from a caregiving standpoint, uh, um, you know, within six weeks of my sister's diagnosis, um, I had mom in a car and, heading her from Florida and North Carolina. So, you know, this, uh, 
and it's very stressful. Uh, my doctor wanted to see me after one of my annual physicals, and I keep myself in pretty good shape, and all my all the indicators were fine, but he didn't like my stress levels. So, uh, you know, this is a health care issue, and they talk about, uh, you know, the banny about terms again, but something called social determinants of health. So, you know, 20% of your time, maybe, and not even that now with COVID, is spent in an actual provider's office, a, a, a doctor, a hospital, whatever it might be. But the other 80% is, is you're out there in the world, and do you have, you know, do you have transportation? Do you have housing? Do you have adequate food and healthy food and all these things? They all impact health. And I'm trying to elevate that conversation that caregiving is, should be a uh, social determinant of health, and we should be looking at this from a, 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 you know, a, a health care standpoint, not a benefit standpoint. I think if we do, we'll broaden some minds and get people to offer a broader array of benefits. I let, mean, let I'm me, not uh, an HR person by any means. But, let me state yep. the obvious for a moment. This is not a breaking news show, but there is <laughs> a, a bit of news that ties into exactly what you were talking about. When the higher-ups get affected, uh, a news bulletin that just ran, uh, the president of Brazil tested positive for COVID. He is the one who denied it, denied it existed, opened up the country, uh, didn't want to have masks, etc. Now he's got it. And you say to yourself, well, perhaps that's karma, but will that change the way he governs? Yeah. We don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, who knows? I mean, um, you don't want to you don't want to start this guy on a political discussion, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's the same concept, right? It's it's uh, now he has it and he understands it, and it's going to depend on how how he's impacted by it. I mean, you could probably have the same conversation about um, uh, the or uh, Yeltsin, is it, and uh, um, in the the guy in the UK. I should know my oh, yeah, ministers, but yeah, you know, taking into account the human condition of wh- whether it's parenting or caregiving, and somehow. You know, discussions around parenting in the workplace don't talk about caregivers who are also trying to work. And now we're all at home trying to parent and caregive and work all at the same time. Um, and so hopefully we will come out of all of this a little more enlightened um, about what some of the needs are to, to support. Uh, and, but before we ran out of time, I, I wanted you to talk about some of the supports that you have developing for caregivers who may be doing all three of those things right now, working, parenting, and caregiving. Sure, and then thanks for that opportunity. So, you know, with with my partner company, uh, GIS, Global Institutional Solutions, we have an actual caregiver benefit that, uh, you know, over 5 million people are utilizing right now. And it's, it's, uh, you know, kind of two things. There's a high touch and a high tech. The high touch is we have actual advocates that people can, uh, get on the phone and talk to about different issues. Uh, the company kind of was born around cyber and fraud issues, and of course they were finding a lot of that happened in the senior space, and then they got into the caregiving. So my, um, you know, one of the things that I have is a caregiver smile summit, and there are 128 videos that I've made of experts in the field, and I became involved in the company when I licensed my videos to them. So we have a whole caregiver platform, a portal, if you will, that people can go in and through, you know, it's kind of segmented through age and life stage. And, um, you know, we go down two tracks. How do you become a better caregiver? And also how do you, how do you kind of become a healthier caregiver at the same time? So, 
you know, that's what I'm doing with a, a partner company. And then my own, uh, my own offerings uh, are changing as well. So because I am that entertainer, we just did a Facebook Live concert um, as we're taping this last evening. I did two and a two hours and twenty five minutes of Frank Sinatra. It was Cirillo sings Sinatra. So, I, <laughs> so I have I have those types of things, and I have a thirty day I call it Moment of Zen uh, program, a caregiver support program where people uh, can give somebody something where they get a message from me every day, and it's a video message, and there's. Um, you know, at a different point we make every day under three minutes, and there's uh, beautiful music playing and videos to watch, and I call it kind of a moment of zen that people can uh, uh, just take a, a, a you know time to sip their tea or their coffee in the morning and, uh, and you know, just get an inspirational message maybe to brace them for the day ahead. So, Got about 15 uh, seconds left. How do folks get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? Sure. www.theagingexperience.com, theagingexperience.com. And I gather uh, you are available to go out and uh, perform before audiences as part of your side gig. Well, when the situation's right, absolutely. I'm also a keynote speaker. I was I was going to be the keynote for the Montana Governor's uh, Conference uh, this year and uh, another big uh, gerontology conference, so obviously they've all gone by the wayside. But I'd love right. to get out and speak of big groups. Anthony, thank you. Anthony Cirillo, we really appreciate you coming on. You're a delight to talk with, and I hope we do this again. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernio. Thank you for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.